Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. The amount of time and energy that Yeats devoted to his Celtic mysteries and related activities is not reflected in the brief accounts found in The Trembling of the Veil and the first draft of the autobiography, which was The Speckled Bird done in three varieties, three versions of it, that is. Nor did his project involve only Maud Gon and George Pollexfin. As the retrospective accounts suggest, in actual fact, Yeats began as early as 1887. The lines of thought concerning Ireland that were to lead to him eventually to create the Celtic mysteries and, later still, his mature style of poetry, that is mainly referring to the development out of romantic poetry into early modern verse, <clears throat> along with his buddies T.S. Eliot and one-time roommate Ezra Pound. Many letters, published and unpublished, show that Yeats hoped to involve, among others, George Russell, A.E., William Sharp, who wrote under a spiritual pseudonym of an alternate personality, Fiona MacLeod, Dr. and Mrs. E.A. Hunter, Florence Farr, and most particularly McGregor and Moyna Mathers. Yeats' involvement with the occult began by his own account before he and his family left Ireland in May of 1887 for their long stay in London. The study of mystical philosophy and psychical research helped Yeats to break away from his father's influence. He fed his curiosity on theosophy and hermeticism. After Yeats moved to London with his family, his interest in the spiritual received impetus from the great occult revival of the 80s and 90s. Reynolds' collection of the young Yeats's letters to the New Island, 1889 to 1891, contains references to the activities of the theosophists Colonel H.S. Olcott and H.P. Blavatsky, the pythoness of the movement. <laughs> in quotes, and to Yeats's own study of the Kabbalah, which in turn reminds the reader that when that note was written in 1891, Yeats had been a member of the Golden Dawn for a year. And he would have been uh, 25 at that time, 26 in 1891. 
Yeats had been a member of the Gondon for a year, in constant contact with the great occultist and translator of the Kabbalah Denudata, McGregor Mathers. These early references to the occult, however, are not as frequent as those references to Yeats' belief in the need for a specifically Irish literature, quote, a neo-romantic movement founded on Irish myth and history, as he wrote in 1887. In letters to the New Island, Yeats sketched out his plan, encouraging others to believe that creative work was, has, always, has always a fatherland. Throughout these letters, Yeats gave the highest marks to those Irish writers who were able to treat Irish subjects subject with sufficient respect. <clears throat> it had been massively marginalized for, of course, 800 years during the English occupation of Ireland, and much of Yeats's Celtic project was to bring back a Celtic renaissance worldwide, which, as of the debut of Enya, the Celtic tiger, the economic boom in Ireland, and mass hysteria and love for all things Celtic and Irish in the 90s and onward, I'd say he definitely accomplished that task. <clears throat> Although the homesickness of the young Celt in London may have encouraged this literary nationalism, commitment sustained it. Until in 1891, Yeats was able to write without much exaggeration with Irish literature and Irish thought alone, have I to do. He had taken the first step in hammering out his thoughts into unity. When did Yeats, when did Yeats make the synthesis that joined in his mind things Irish and literary with things spiritual? While it is, of course, impossible to say precisely when this happened, I believe that Yeats was beginning to see the spiritual possibilities of Irish myth at about the same time he publicly proclaimed himself to be an Irish writer on Irish subjects. A good poem for that reference is The Rose to Ireland in the Coming Times. Um, he references the red rose-bordered hem as a reference to his English upbringing that he was trying to escape from fully and return to Irish cultural national subjects exclusively. He had, he wrote, been reading Potter's Marius when he decided that it was not, <clears throat> quote, in Yeats's words, written my bond. Yeats says, with Irish literature and Irish thoughts alone have I to do, and yet the doctrines I have just been studying in Potter's jeweled paragraphs, the Platonic, <clears throat> the, sorry, the Platonic theory of spiritual beings having their abode in all things without and within us, and thus uniting all things as by a living ladder of souls with God himself, have some relation to those very matters of Irish thought that bring me to Ireland just now. <clears throat> Yeats had turned to gather stories, had returned to gather stories of spiritual Ireland, the Irish phantoms and fairies. Are not, and are not these spiritual beings of Plato but the phantoms and fairies of philosophy? Yeats was beginning to feel that from the national one approached the universal, the universal, and from the universal one approached the divine, and he wrote to the Providence Sunday Journal in 1888, same year the Golden Dawn was founded, <clears throat> to the greater poets everything they see has its relation to the national life, and through that to the universal and divine life. Nothing is an isolated art artistic moment. There is a unity everywhere. Everything fulfills a purpose that is not its own. The hailstone is a journeyman of God. The grass blade carries 
the universe upon its point. One can only reach out to the universe with a gloved hand. That glove is in one's nation. That glove is one's nation. The only thing one knows even a little of. This synthesis of nationalism and philosophy may have begun the plan laid down long, long ago, as he said. Yeats continued to pursue his somewhat vague object by training himself to see visions and to comprehend the relationship or correspondences which exist between material and spiritual worlds and between the various groups of symbols. Eventually, he formed the idea of creating a specifically Celtic religion. Exactly, that would basically be Neo-Druidism in, in essence. Exactly when this idea came to him, I cannot say, but Yeats realized that his own seership would be inadequate to the task. <clears throat> I'm not sure why he thinks about that, but... Thus he sought the help of all those to whom visions came easily. Ah, oh, there you go. He was, in fact, experimenting with visions as early as October 1891-92, when he and Dorothea Hunter, another GD member, met now and then that they might summon the invisible powers and gaze into the astral light, for they had learned to see with the, Indian, with the internal eyes. With Miss Hunter, Yeats called up the tree of knowledge and life, studied the occult meaning of the zodiac, and saw the burial of the Egyptian dead. Then, tired with the great, they summoned the Irish fairies with a lunar invocation and saw a vision of the white woman, queen of the fairies. By April 1895, having spent the previous six years in occult study and training, Yeats was ready to begin his work on the Celtic religion in earnest. His visit to Castle Rock, which was amid his original plan to be based there and build his castle of heroes, gave his hopes a local habitation. Maud Gon's support further accelerated his work and probably lifted his spirits. It could be argued he was <clears throat> doing a lot of this, especially the angle of Irish nationalism, to win her heart. And he said as much in many cases throughout his writing that if he only could do this, he would uh, win her heart and they would, you know, it was a way to spend time with her. It was a little bit, a little sneaky, but then again, Yeats was a Gemini, so, huh. <clears throat> Spurred by the certainty that he could win Maud for himself while they worked on the Celtic gods, he met with her at every moment of leisure in order to obtain long lists of symbols by means of their, or rather her, visions. Yeats also enlisted the Matherses in this project, the letter dated 16 March 1897 from Moyna Mathers, quoted above, indicates that Yeats had told them in Paris of some of the experiments that he and others had been conducting in London. Footnote, Professor Harper has kindly allowed me to see an unpublished letter from George Russell to Yeats dated early August 1897, offering, quote, success to you in your new work, end quote, and mentioning druids and fairies. Evidently, Yeats began his effort to enlist A.E., who is how George Russell's, Russell's commonly known, at about the same time he tried to interest the Mathers. <clears throat> Moyna apparently told Bailey, the editor of Isis, which was a magazine in France, I believe, Paris, something of Yeats's account of the visions of Celtic forms seen by some of his friends, as Bailey was anxious to speak with Yeats about possible publication of these accounts. He suggested that literary and artistic enthusiasms were running high. Moyna, however, wrote, All this seems splendid, but rather premature, as apparently no work on actual rituals had yet been done, <laughs> and that everyone involved insisted on getting at the absolutely correct symbolism before starting on the more external side of the question. Had she been indiscreet, 
and wondered in telling she wondered in telling so much to such super, uh, such superficial persons <clears throat> i don't know although the account of which moina wrote has been lost the visions of the Celtic forms were probably similar to those conducted by Yeats on 29 December 1898, 1st January 1898, and another day in January 1898, probably not long after the first of the month. These are the visions presented in Appendix 1. The three explorations produced some exciting results. For example, the letter to Dorothea Hunter, which Yeats wrote immediately following the second session, indicated that Yeats had begun to relate some of the visionary beings to levels of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. Quote, I have been shown also that beside Fergus, there are two very old shadows who are the oldest of the heroic race and represent Keter and Hakma. In other words, he had been shown forms corresponding to the two highest, i.e. most nearly divine, Sephiroth on the Tree of Life. Further, Yeats was beginning to relate the visions to Rosicrucian symbolism and to the Neoplatonic thought of William Blake, who is poetically considered the father of the Romantic poets, by the way. In relating one of the planes of Vision 3 to circular and periodic movement, as contrasted with capricious and unstable movement, Yeats may have been recalling the Rosicrucian concept of exile and return in quest of the mountain of spiritual ascent, Abbey Agnes, so important in Golden Dawn rituals. (laughs) Well, the... the, uh, That's not important in Golden Dawn rituals at all. It's important in any order rituals of the RRAC. Just like the scrying techniques often mentioned earlier in one of Hanneman's handwriting saying, this is not meant to be. Yeats was a bit loose with teaching uh, second-order techniques, apparently to non-initiated people who he worked with for the Celtic Mysteries. There's a footnote that says, Yeats used the mountain in connection with the tomb of our father Rosicross in a poem, The Mountain Tomb in Responsibilities. See also blah, blah, blah. Yeats was encouraged to continue in the direction he was going, and he wanted to enlist the aid of one of his oldest and closest friends, George Russell, A.E. He wrote on 22nd January, soon after the explorations, that he was deep in Celtic mysticism and that it was forming an elaborate vision, as indeed it was. He had planned, he wrote, to go with Maud to Ireland on 20 or 23 February and wanted Russell to meet him there in order to work on the Celtic mysticism together. Russell, however, was at the time without vision or inspiration, as he wrote informing Yeats on 1st February. Which is in bulk, yeah, that's nice. Yeats replied immediately, saying that he and Maud were to be in Dublin the following week. Maud had characteristically changed the date the better to accommodate political activities. <laughs> of course she did. Quote, we have, 90, <clears throat> we have in 98 work to do. That's a reference to uh, 98 work. It was 1898 and in... 1798, uh, England put uh, an Irish freedom fighter. Uh, yeah, let's leave that out. We don't want to get into that stuff. But Yeats considered that a significant 100-year point um, in 98, which is a very interesting thing. I'll talk about other places about this project and what happened 100 years after that with me. 
Russell nevertheless would not or could not become directly involved in Yates' scheme at that time. He had just become director of the Irish Agricultural Cooperative Movement and was no doubt reluctant to take holiday from his new work. Yates persisted, keeping Russell posted on all Celtic developments. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk